Get Daniel chapter 2. And uh, continuing on the series we started uh, several weeks ago, Daniel chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse number 19. Now, if you got Daniel 2, perhaps in your other hand you can get Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah 32 and verse 17. All right, Daniel chapter 2. We looked at how Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, apparently several months, maybe even a, a couple of years in the past, and now he's asking his um, magicians and astrologers and so forth, show me not only the interpretation, but show me what I dreamed. He's asking for a full-on miracle of revelation. And his wise men could not figure this out. They complained and said, this is not fair. And he said, you guys are trying to stall. And you're thinking of something you can say as a placeholder. You're making something up. And they said, you're all dead and ordered them to be destroyed News got about, and then Daniel says, give, give me just a little bit of time to pray. He takes his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego off, and they start to pray. And that brings us to verse number 19. Now, verses 19 to 23, this one section can be summed up, I believe, in this phrase, nothing is too hard for the Lord. So as we go through these few verses, this little passage, I think that's the key thought. Everybody else in Babylon thought what the king was asking was way too hard. And it was for other humans. But when it comes to the Lord, nothing is too hard for the Lord. It's a good lesson for all of us to be reminded of. We know this is true, right? All of us internally, we say amen to this. And we go, yes, of course, God's able to do anything. Nothing's impossible with God. Nothing's too hard for the Lord, except my problems. But everybody else, it works for them. <laughs> right? It's amazing when we get under the pressure we think, God, how could you ever? Now, we may not know how, but we know that he is able. So, Jeremiah 32, verse 17, just to introduce this section. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Now, Jeremiah goes back to the creation of everything to bring to our minds how nothing is too hard for the Lord. If he could bring it all to pass, he could, <clears throat> for the universe, he could certainly do it in your life. But when it, nothing's too hard for him, look at the next verse in Jeremiah there. Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands and recompensest the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them, the great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts is his name. I love the names that he lists there. One of the names of God is the great. The great what? You just pick it. <laughs> the great. He's just the great. But God, there's nothing too hard for him. Even loving you, he can do that too. That's a good thing to be reminded of. Come back to Daniel 2 now. So nothing too hard for the Lord. Verse number 19, it says, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. <clears throat> Uh, then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So before he goes and tells anybody, Daniel just rears back and praises God for a few moments. I hope you do that. Uh, you know, before you ever get to testifying in church and saying amen and any of that kind of stuff, try it at home. Dads, gather your family around. Say, let, let's have a little time of 
family devotions. Uh, people sometimes call it the family altar. Gather around the family altar and you, dad, as the high priest of the family, uh, tell them, come and hear what the Lord has done. And just bless the God of heaven and tell them how good he's been to you and how he got you from here to there and how, remind them that nothing is too hard for the Lord. Daniel does that starting in verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. All right, let's talk the right decision moving forward. Understanding is the even bigger picture. That is seeing the big picture, knowing what is <clears throat> sorry, ultimately important in life and in eternity. So these three things work together, understanding, wisdom, and knowledge. But it's like three levels to that process. Wisdom belongs to God. How do I know to choose right from wrong? Well, where does it start? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what is my ultimate goal? I understand that pleasing God and being on His good side and not His bad side is the most important thing. So I, I believe, based on that fact alone, right, now I can start making decisions. Should I choose plan A or plan B? Which plan will please God most? You see how that helps me with wisdom, fearing the Lord? So wisdom, that belongs to God. See, God, in this particular circumstance, please show me what to do. We are always in need of that. I'm sure you're probably struggling with something, or maybe not struggling, but faced with important decisions, and you're not sure which way should I go. You can be confident of this. The God of heaven, the one who planned out heaven and earth, right, that... that that great architect that put it together and it still works, it's still standing to this day regardless of what the global warming scientists say, is still standing. His plan works. That God can show you the right way forward. They say, why is that important? Because when you pray, you can start to really panic and go, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What decision do I make? Calm down. He will show you. There's a verse you ought to memorize. James chapter 1 and verse 5. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. He's not going to chew you out because you asked. He giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. That is a promise. If you go to him with full faith, right? The Bible says don't ask with, with doubt. You can't be wavering on this going, maybe God will, maybe he won't. I know he will. I know that He will. Why? It belongs to Him. Wisdom and might are His. So God will give you the necessary information to make the right decisions, no matter what you're facing. But then, might is also His. This is the necessary strength to deal with the decision He led you to make. Because sometimes He's going to lead you to make a decision that isn't necessarily easy. It comes with a lot of baggage, right? There's going to be a lot of Let's call them consequences. Once that domino goes down, there's a lot of other things that are going to change. Just know that, God, I believe you've led me this way. Now you are going to give me grace to deal with what comes next after the decision that I've made. So think of it this way. God will help me when I take my thoughts captive. Are we not commanded to do that? Right? We get a bit scatterbrained, all of us, from time to time. The Bible commands us to take those thoughts captive and bring them unto the obedience of Christ. Lord, I'm frazzled. What do you want me to do? And then we know that God is going to bear that burden with us 
His head is in the yoke, helping us fulfill that will of God, whatever it is. We do not have to bear the strain of life alone. Wisdom and might are His. Daniel's under some pressure here. If he doesn't get an answer to prayer, he will die. How many of you this week said, God, if you don't answer this prayer, I am actually going to die? <laughs> I don't know about you, I have yet to be faced with that. Now, sometimes I make it seem like that <laughs> in my own mind, but that's not how it is. He actually was. God, you either answer the prayer or we die. Not just me, but many people. Wisdom and might are His. God will come through. Verse number 21 says, He changeth the times and the seasons. All right, hold your place here. Get Ecclesiastes chapter 3. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Yeah. Perhaps some of you were here for this lesson that uh, Brother Garrett taught last time he was in the pulpit, over a month ago, I think now maybe about a month ago, but he preached about, out of the book of Ecclesiastes. I just, I mentioned that because what a fantastic lesson that was. If you weren't here, I highly recommend going back on, on our YouTube page and watching that, that lesson because it really, I have heard multiple people telling me they are still employing some of what they heard from that lesson. So great stuff there, but he touched on this in his lesson. Ecclesiastes 3, look at verse 1. Time to plant, time to pluck up that which is planted, time to kill, time to heal. Time to break down, time to build up. Time to weep, time to laugh, time to mourn, time to dance. Time to cast away stones, amen. Guys, yesterday at the plot, we were casting away stones, yes. For those of you that were there, what a day. We had a work day, and man, we cast sledgehammer. We did it right. All right, time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Time to get, time to lose. Time to keep, time to cast away. Time to rend time to sow, time to keep silence, and a time to speak. A time to love, verse 8, and a time to hate even. A time of war and a time of peace. Now, there, I think we could build on that list, right? But, but that covers quite a bit of it. That covers quite a bit. Those are the times and seasons. And you might be on the upside of it. You might be on the downside. Sometimes we talk about mountaintops and valleys, right? So this is just life. And now, you can in and of yourself make decisions that changes the time and season. You can. But God can too. God can too. God can create circumstances in your life that shifts the direction of things. God can orchestrate that. Now, this is different than me saying God reaches down into your heart, flips off your free will, and makes you choose this. Not that. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God orchestrating a bigger plan, big, bigger circumstances, roadblocks, if you will, as you go down the path, you're thinking everything's just going great, and all of a sudden one thing can happen, and your life takes a left turn. And, and by the way, it can go the other way. Things are going bad, and God brings one thing in, and boom, changes, and now it's much better. It, it goes both ways, right? I've illustrated it like this for years. And recently, going to the cardiologist, I got to see it firsthand. They, they hook up that ECG or whatever it's called, and they, they monitor your heart. You know what they see? It's beep, 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 beep. That line is going up and up and down, up and down. You want it to go up and down. As soon as it goes beep, now things, the times and seasons are over. <laughs> right? That's it. You're done. 
right? But as long as it's beep, beep, that's life. That proves you are alive because it's going up and down, right? So God can step in from time to time and say, you know what, for right now, you need to go through this. This, this needs to happen because it's getting you ready for what's going to happen next. God is orchestrating that. Under, i got to emphasize this. I'm not saying that he's in control of your decisions and how you react to it. God is about to show Nebuchadnezzar what he's doing, right? God is showing Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to orchestrate a, a, a change in your kingdom. Neb does not react to it very well, right? It, it, eventually, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he gets lifted up with pride. So you can react to it very poorly, but that doesn't stop God from stepping in and moving the chess pieces of your life around. For instance, everything is chugging along just fine, and all of a sudden you get a bad report from the doctor. And now your health is gone. Well, that changes stuff. Now you're in a different season. So what do you do? Then you go back to God and say, God, I need wisdom and I need strength because this is bad news. The boss calls you in and says, sorry, man, we're not happy. We can't keep you on anymore, whatever the case is, but your employment here is finished. That changes things, right? Let's say one day in the near future they say Christianity is no longer tolerable. You are no longer allowed to practice your religion because we find it uh, a threat to the peace of society. Christianity is now outlawed, which, by the way, prophetically, that's going to happen to, to whatever degree. Well, let's say that happens. That'll change things. That'll change things. Now, let's say that a government gets overthrown. God can orchestrate the overthrow of a government. That changes things. Times and seasons change. Now, let, let's come to verse 21. You'll see that's what God was talking about in this verse. And he changeth the times and the seasons. So right now, Babylon's in control. Judah's in captivity. The Jews are spread everywhere, and they're being punished. But that might change. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. All right, so that's the next. Daniel narrows it down to that. God's going to make a change in things. He sets kings up and then takes kings down. So take your Bible. Hold Daniel 2. Get Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Now, we read over there in Romans chapter 13 that the powers that be are ordained of God. You guys remember that verse? Okay. Is it possible that, well, obviously it is. Let me, let me put forth the obvious rhetorical question. Is it possible for God to choose a particular person to be the president or king of a nation? Well, sure, God can install kings as he wills. But you're going to see here in Luke chapter 4, he's not the only one. <laughs> Somebody else can be in control of that. Luke chapter 4, verse 5. Jesus is being tempted here. And the devil, taking him up into an high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. The devil says... I can give you the glory and power of whatever kingdom you want. Well, that explains a lot about politics, <laughs> right? That the devil also has a hand in that. And might I be quick to say, you don't have to be the president of the country to have power over that country, right? I'm not a conspiracy theory nut, 
but I'm also not so nutty to believe that no conspiracies exist. Come on. There are people working in the shadows to, to pull strings. You have them here in this country. We have them in America. They're all over the world, right? If you're in China, I think that's the triad is what they call it. And in America, they have their militia movements. And in the past, the Bruderbant did a lot of that stuff here. Amen. It did. I mean, that's history. Am I right about that? Okay. All, right. all of you Bruderbant members are not saying amen, but I get it. I get it. I know. You're not allowed to say it. I know. I know. It's okay. But, but nevertheless, you understand that people behind the scenes can still have power and make things happen. You don't have to be the president. Matter of fact, many times the president is just a, a placeholder, right? He or she is like the Queen of England. <laughs> They're there to smile and wave, and that's it. I mean, come on, Joe Biden, is he making any decisions? Come on. <laughs> if you've ever heard him speak, that, no, no. I, he's, he's just too old. But in any event, let's not get, go down that, that path. All right, so God can directly choose this man and put him in a particular position. He can. And then God can also take that man out. A good example is Saul, King Saul. Now, the people said, give us a king, 1 Samuel 8. God said to Samuel, Samuel was very heartbroken over this because he knew this is not plan A. And Samuel prays about it, and God says, Samuel, don't worry. They have not rejected you. They've rejected me that I should not reign over them. You know what God did? He gave them the king they were wanting. He gave them the king they deserved. And he said, Samuel, you are the campaign director for this new king. Go tell them what they're, go tell the nation why they should vote this next guy in. And that is, you talk about the worst campaigning ever. You read 1 Samuel 8. He says, this candidate of mine, he's going to come in power. He will oppress you. He will raise taxes. He will abuse you. Some of you will be slaves. And the people said, yay! We get a king. All right, ding dong. You can have him if you want. Sometimes God puts the, the politicians in place as a punishment, right? It, it all depends. There's so many reasons why God could put a good or a bad king. So he installs Saul, but he gives Saul a legitimate chance. He, it, the prophet Samuel tells him, listen, Saul, you were not plan A, but now that you're here, now that the people rebelled against God and wanted you, if, if you do it God's way, God will bless it. Now we know how that ended up. Saul was not obedient. So in comes David, and God puts another king in. So God can move the pieces around like that. At times, as we've just seen in Luke chapter 4, the devil can also create circumstances. Right? Again, he doesn't come in and mind control people, but he can create circumstances. He can subtly suggest things to people and work it out so that a person, a particular bad person, gets into power. God allows that. Please understand this difference. You've got to hear this statement. God allows everything to happen. Everything that happens, it happens because God allows it to happen. That does not make God the author of it. Do you understand the difference? God didn't make it happen. He allowed it to happen. This is not, it's not as if the devil had some secret plan, installed some politician, and the Lord's up in heaven going, Oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> The, the, the Lord God of heaven knew this was coming, and God has ways to deal with it, right? So you're not going to overthrow the, the king of heaven simply because you make your little uh, chess moves and move pawns here. and that, that's, God's going to take care of that eventually. Come back to Daniel chapter 2. I'll give you a couple of the verses on this to shed some light. Look at Daniel 2 verse 37, and we see it here with Nebuchadnezzar. <clears throat> 
Daniel 2 and 37. By the way, while you're looking, looking for that verse, as we approach the end times, guys, can I advise you not to get overwhelmed by politics? And, and I say that because some people, they spend all, not all, but practically all of their useful time worrying about politics. Can I just tell you the Titanic is sinking? It's, it's going to go down. The Antichrist is going to rise. It's a biblical prophecy. I am not saying that we just sit back and completely ignore it. I'm just trying to remind you to have a balanced approach about this, okay? So rather than sitting around worrying, complaining about the government, find out what God wants us to do in the meantime, right? Because there is a plan. There is something we should be doing. But all right, Daniel 2, verse 37. Daniel now explaining the dream. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. So God raised up Nebuchadnezzar, and in so doing raises up the Babylonian Empire. But as the dream gets revealed, the Babylonian Empire will have an end. So this ties together what Daniel says. He, he sets kings up, and then he removes those kings. Look at chapter 5. Now this is Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, Belshazzar. Belshazzar has that wild party and then the handwriting on the wall Daniel comes in to interpret it look at chapter 5 verse 28 chapter 5 and verse 28 it says Peres thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians so God sets you up and God's taking you down now, maybe you've heard you know this little saying where he said, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. It's that kind of thing. So God says, I gave you that power, I can take it away as well. So by this point, right, it's not Nebuchadnezzar, it's just the Babylonian Empire is going to fall. And Cyrus is the king of the Persians and he is going to step in. And if you're making notes, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 1. Isaiah 45, verse 13. Isaiah 41, verse 2. There's about five more verses that speak about Cyrus. And some of them name him and say Cyrus is the guy who's going to step in as a Persian king and destroy the Babylonians. Cyrus wasn't born yet. He wouldn't be born for another 150 years, but God already named him and said, that's the one who I will set up. He is the anointed one that will come in and take down the Babylonians. Uh, look at Hosea chapter 8. All right, Hosea chapter 8. So God obviously can move the chess pieces around. But the devil can also do it. And he, and he does it, right? Subtly, he works through, well, all sorts, of, all sorts of conduits, I would say. But we look at things and think, well, the, the people voted this guy in, right? Uh, democracies and all of that. You realize that the God of this world can blind the minds of people so that they choose the wrong guy, right? So even though we, we would say we voted him in, the devil probably is behind the curtain going, <laughs> well done, thank you, thank you. That's exactly what I wanted you to choose. So those two things can work together. I think you'll see it. If you know the history of Israel, you'll see it here. Uh, Hosea 8 verse 4. He says here, God speaking, they have set up kings, but not by me. Israel chose kings, and God said, that wasn't my choice. That was your choice. I, don't blame me for your politics. 
The rest of the verse says, they have made princes and I knew it not. Now guys, this is not God saying that you know, he was blinded to it and he didn't know what was happening. God knows it's happening. What he's saying is that plan did not originate from my mind. I did not tell you to do that. He goes on to say, of their silver and their gold have they made them idols that they may be cut off. So in other words, you're in the condition you're in because of the very poor choices that you made. That, that's, that's the practical side of this. Now, what are we to learn from this? Come back to Daniel 2. What, what do we make of all this? God can set you up and God can take you down. Right? Be careful about the decisions you make. Be, be careful. Be, have some understanding. The Bible says, with all thy getting, get understanding. Understanding means seeing the big picture. What is life all about? Because if you're constantly pressing towards the wrong goal, it could be that God puts detour after detour, roadblock after roadblock, removing things in your life to get you to see what life is all about. Nebuchadnezzar missed it. So God just says, all right, out with you. Here comes the next guy. So be aware of that. Daniel 2, verse 21. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise. So you have to start off as a wise man before God can give you wisdom. Now, isn't that kind of paradoxical? <laughs> but Lord, I'm not going to be wise if you don't give it to me. The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's a choice you make. What am I more afraid of? Pleasing people or pleasing God? Whose opinion reigns supreme? That of the people in my life or God? Right? Is He first in this endeavor? If He is, then God can give you wisdom, pieces of wisdom. He can build on that. You have to have the foundation of fearing the Lord in order for God to continually show you how to make more right decisions. If you don't have that as the basis then the next several times God gives you advice, it won't make sense because it's not in line with that overall goal. And then the next thing, and knowledge to them that know understanding. So what does it mean to know understanding? We've talked about it already. You see the big picture. Not only what is important this year, but what's going to be important to you in 500 years? Can you answer that question? What's important to you in five? You know you're still going to exist in 500 years. Not in your physical form. That would be weird. But, but you will be, by that time, we'll have a new body, right? So, so you will have a form, a glorified form. You're going to be somewhere. What will be important to you in 500 years? Now think about that. Once you can answer that question, it helps you make sense of what you should do today. That, that 500 years, what's important in 1,000 years, that's your understanding. And he gives knowledge to them that know understanding. Once you have, I don't have, do you guys do puzzles, jigsaw puzzles? My wife loves to do them. And she like, you know, the bigger the better. 1,500 pieces, 2,000 pieces. I, I, I got her one this, this Christmas. I mean, every color under the rainbow. It's going to take her three months to finish that puzzle. But she loves to sit there and work that out. Now, you help yourself do it however you want she always tries to get the frame first she tries to get the outside pieces because you know it's an outside piece it has a flat side right 
You didn't know coming to church to help you with your puzzle-building skills, but right there you get a flat side. You know that's got to be a side piece. That's the frame. And once you get that, you start filling in from there. You build in. You need to get the big picture first. And then the knowledge is the little facts, individual pieces of truth that paint and fill in the rest of the picture. He gives knowledge to them that know understanding. What is God about, about to reveal to the king? What's the big picture? He's about to show King Nebuchadnezzar and thus the entire Babylonian kingdom what is going to happen from that present time, right about 600 B.C., all the way up to 2023 plus. That's, what he, that's the big picture. And he's saying if you'll see the big picture, it'll help you see the smaller things going on. You want to make more sense of your daily life? Get a hold of understanding. And if you want to get that, then get some fear of the Lord. And that'll help you make the right decisions. All right, so verse 22. He revealeth the deep and secret things. Guys, uh, there are some things in life you're not going to figure out through your own education. Some things are so deep and so hidden, it doesn't matter how many books you read, you'll never get to the bottom of it. You need God to just show up and tell you what it, what's happening there. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. All right, so let's take both sides of this. He knows what's in the darkness. There's some good preaching in that. All right, now, Daniel's talking about the secret things that we cannot understand with our own human intellect. That's what he's talking about. However, if I can just preach for a moment. He knows what you did last night in the darkness. You're not hiding it from him. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. The Bible says what is said, spoken, done in darkness one day will be manifested in the light and proclaimed upon the housetops. So you might want to just be mindful of what you're saying and doing in the darkness. He knows what is in the darkness. Now, that includes the things that are beyond your human ability to figure out. Lord, how could I possibly find a way to navigate through this difficulty in my life? God has that information. He knows what's in the darkness. And then it says, the light dwelleth with him. Now that seems like a very obvious statement. God is light. So yes, obviously light dwells with him. But God knows how to shine a light into your life so that you can see what's in the darkness. Because it's, it's one thing for us to say, God knows what I don't know, right? I mean, don't we all accept that premise? That, that, okay, we, we say amen to that. We're fine with that. But how can that knowledge that God has get into my head? How can it sink down into my ears and into my heart? God, the light dwells with him. He has a, a way to shine that beam of light right where I need to see it. And then I go, oh, I get it now. So, so both sides of this, what is hidden and the way to reveal what is hidden is there with God. You're not going to find it at the puck. <laughs> I'm not against the puck, but I'm just saying there are certain things they can't teach you. You can come to my office and ask advice. There's, I'm limited, right? Some things you're just going to have to know how to walk to God's doorstep, knock there at the throne of grace, and find grace to help in time of need. All right, verse 23. He says, I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. 
So God, thank you. One thing to pray and see God answer it. Make sure you thank him for it. Make sure you praise him for it. One thing I want you to see in the middle of the verse. Hast made known unto me now what we desired of thee. So it's a group prayer meeting. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. You've made known what we desired of thee. You know that verse in James? We, you have not because you ask not. I, I wonder if you were to ask God to show you more about himself. You think he'd answer that? Could it be that there are some deep, wonderful, secret truths about the Lord that he would very much like to reveal to you? He's just waiting for you to want it enough. He wants you to ask. You know why this was revealed to Daniel and his friends? They asked. They looked for it. They looked for it. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it talks about as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Yes? You know how a baby gets fed? Most often, they cry. <laughs> they remind mom and dad, I want food. I mean, just all the time, I want more food. They, I mean, it's full-on panic time. When it's time to eat, everybody in the house knows it's time to eat. <laughs> right? It's, it would be a little weird for a grown man, you know, when he gets hungry. I want my pride place. <laughs> that, some, some of you, that, maybe that happened last night. I don't know. Maybe that was what was going on in the darkness. I don't know. Spiritually, should we not still be crying out to God saying, please feed me? Please show me more. I want to grow, right, that you may grow thereby. God, please, there are some things in this book that boggle my mind. Now, you don't know that if you're not reading it. But when you start reading it, you start figuring out, God, there are some things in this book that are way beyond me. I'm begging you, God, speak to me. Show me. Shine some light. Put your finger right there on the verse that I need to see that's going to make it all click. Have you ever had that happen while you're reading through your Bible? And maybe you've read that passage 50 times before. And finally, you read that one verse and the lights come on. You go, oh, I get it. I get it. But probably because you've been asking God, how does this work? I don't understand it. Right? Seek, Jesus said, and you shall find. Babies get fed because they cry, because they desire. The old saying is, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Yes? So squeak. <laughs> squeak. Make some noise and go, God, this part's getting a bit tough to move and I need some help. So squeak, 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 and then see if God doesn't show up with some help. Now, verse 24, Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. All right, so now in, in this passage from verse 24 down to 30, one main thought I think is coming through, and, and I'm saying this on the behalf of Daniel, it wasn't me, it was God. Right, so some great thing has happened, and Daniel's response to this is it wasn't me. I mean, I prayed about it, but come on, God is the one doing something, so please let's all glorify him and not make a big deal out of me. So Arioch now knows Daniel has an answer. So verse 25 then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. Ah, come on, Arioch. Come on, man. That's, that's, uh, he twisted that. 
Look at what he said in the middle of verse 25. I have found a man. That makes it sound like he was out there looking for somebody to, to, to answer this question. No, you weren't. Daniel prayed about it all night and came to you. You know, we as humans, we have a fantastic ability of telling a story in just a way so that we come out the good guy. And we come out smelling like roses when actually we didn't have that much to do with it. I mean, if I, I, I like to tell this story. There was a time here in South Africa that I actually put my hand in, a, in the mouth of a lion. I still have my hand. It was this hand. I had it fully in all the way, and I still have my hand. Now, see, if I tell that story just there and move on, right? I can see Zintle's face. He's like, yo, my pastor. Hey, my pastor. Hey, this man is a hero. <laughs> okay, if I tell the story right, I must tell you I was at a lion farm where they teach these lions, you know, things, and it was a baby. It was a cub that I was cradling in my arms, and I put my, it could, it, I mean, it tickled, if anything, right? So then it's not that great of a story, but if I tell it just right, wow, put his hand in the, I mean, yesterday we had a work day at the church, right? And I could say, hey, I was there all day, and I even had my hands on the sledgehammer. Don't think that I did much of the work. If I tell it right, it makes it sound like I did more than I, than I did. Guys, when you tell the story, be honest. Be honest. You don't don't need to flatter others. Don't flatter yourself. Just tell the story like it actually happened. Verse 26, the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men and the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, Uh, show unto the king. So Daniel's quick to say, this human help that you normally lean on, they're not going to help you here. And again, please understand this in a balanced way. Daniel's telling them, you're educated people, their education is not going to help you here. I'm not against education, you understand. But education is not going to solve all your problems. You're going to need revelation. So king, it's not these men. Verse 29 Uh, Where are we at? I'm sorry, verse 28. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. Now he's about to get into it, but a bit more of a preamble. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? So king, I know your dream was a prophetic dream. And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. So, as I said a moment ago, Daniel's saying, King, it wasn't me. It wasn't your wise men. It wasn't your political team. It was God. Daniel is using this as as an opportunity to witness to Nebuchadnezzar. Look for opportunities to turn people's attention to the God of heaven. If you do a good job at work and they say, thank you, you worked hard, praise the Lord. You don't have to say that you didn't. (laughs) You can say, yes, I worked hard and then tell them why. Uh, You know, I work hard because... The Lord saved me. God gave me a job. God gave me strength. You can turn the attention to him. Verse number 30, he says, But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living. Daniel's saying, I'm I'm nothing special. Is there any of us in this room that would say Daniel wasn't a special guy? (laughs) I mean, we'd all say Daniel was an incredibly special guy. Look at how God used him. But in Daniel's mind, he's just another guy in need of the grace of God. He said, King, I didn't figure this out because I'm super smart. I figured it out because I prayed. 
And I believed God would answer. He goes on to say, But for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king. So God has revealed the answer to this, number one, to show the king what's going to happen, right? to give understanding. Number two, to save the lives of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? and inconsequentially then all the other wise men. And then at the end of verse 30, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. So reveal the long-term plan, not only for Babylon, but for all the kingdoms of the world. That's one. Number two, save the lives of these men. And number three, Nebuchadnezzar, God's trying to get your attention. God wants you personally, that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. So I get this question often. It's good to point this out. Uh, how do you reach an unbeliever? How do you reach somebody that does not believe in God or the Bible at all? This is a good place to start. Start them off with some prophecy. You say, listen, there's no other God that can do this. The God of the Bible can tell the future accurately and never gets it wrong. Now, what we're going to get in the next several verses, as I mentioned before, from about 590, maybe 600 B.C., from the time this was revealed, you get the, a summation of world politics all the way down to our present day and beyond. Guys, it's hard to predict what the politics of just this one country will do for the next five minutes. And yet they got over, what, 2,600 years crammed into this. That's an impressive prophecy. And, of course, we'll get into that more as, as time goes along. All right. Um, I think we'll stop there for the morning. Let's all stand, if you would. And I do hope that uh, we're going to pray and dismiss. But take a few minutes to fellowship. Please stick around. I'd love to have you here for the main service as well. But it is a bit warm, so get a chance to find some breeze out there if you can find it anywhere. Father, thank you this morning. We know that all the wisdom and might that we need, it belongs to you. And, Father, you're not shy to share it with us. Uh, Lord, we do need it. And uh, whatever is accomplished here today, it's not because of our own abilities uh, more than any other living person. It's because of the grace that you offer. And we want to take you up on that. Bless our fellowship. Bless the time to come. In Jesus' name.